this morning about the ways that God's love can be healing to us. But obviously, what we are also dealing with this morning is the fact that it is Father's Day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I better have a Father's Day sermon ready for the fathers in the house and for everyone for that matter. I know how things work around here. But I want us to keep in mind, too, that people often have different relationships with their fathers. And some people have really, really good ones, but that unfortunately is not always the case. And so I want to make sure that the word we hear this morning is something that everyone can hear. Because the gospel is good news for everyone, regardless of your situation. And so while I thought that there, and this will come up, we're going to talk about some of the ways that God is like a father and the ways that those equate. Yes, that is certainly true and something we hear in scripture. But additionally, I want to reflect this morning on some of the lessons that I've learned while being a father and the ways that these lessons apply to our life as Christians as a whole. Regardless of where you're at, regardless what your relationship with your father is like, regardless of if you're a parent or not, there are lessons to be learned from the parenting experience. Can I get an amen, parents out there? Hey, amen. Yes, this could be a very, very long sermon for that matter, but I'm going to keep it, keep it to just a few key points that I've picked up on. I've titled this sermon, Christian Lessons from Fatherhood, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38 this morning. Please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Please open up those Bibles or pull it up on your phone if you've got that. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And why don't we stand as we read the gospel? Last week we had to stand for a long time because the reading was extra long, so I picked a nice short one for us this morning. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to you. You may be seated. I would recommend you keep those Bibles open. We're going to be, since it's short, we're going to be looking at this again and again um, throughout it because there are some key and important points in here. And as I said, this is about some of the Christian lessons that I've learned from my now seven, almost eight years of fatherhood. And I'm going to guess that many of the parents, grandparents, even if you just watch children for any set of time, that you're going to agree and recognize a lot of these little lessons that I'm picking up on. But again, I want us to focus on and think about what we learn as parents and caregivers, how that informs and influences our life as Christians as well. The overall point here is that there is always something in life to teach us about how to be a better Christian. The inspiration that comes is prevalent and throughout our lives, and we just have to pay attention to it sometimes. 
So I've got a couple of points for you. Point number one, lesson that I've learned while being a father that applies to being a Christian. Compassion is the best gift. Compassion is the best gift. You see, I've got three kids at home. And one of the things that I'm slowly learning and and actually just being reminded of is that being a kid is really hard work. We don't give kids enough credit. Yeah, I know that they get it really easy sometimes. But in the same sense, being a kid and growing up is really hard work. You've got all of this stuff going on inside your body and inside your head. You're trying to understand how emotions work and, more importantly, how to act in the world again and again. There's all these different rules showing up that maybe you didn't know about before, and it can get kind of tricky. Because maybe one person is telling you to do one thing, and then somebody else is telling you to do something completely different. And so I'm learning again and again that, yeah, being a kid is really hard work. In particular, I'm noticing this most right at the moment with my son, Solomon. He's five years old. And he is in the midst of learning a lot. He's going to start kindergarten in the fall. And so he's starting to understand that there's some rules and some structure to life that he's got to adhere to. But the other thing that makes it really difficult for Solomon at the moment is he's got an older sister. She's two years older than him. And those two years make a big difference. She can read pretty well at this point. She can do a lot of dexterity things like tie her shoes that he just can't do yet because he's so young. But he wants to be older like his sister. He wants to do the things that his sister is doing. And so very often in our household, Solomon will get a little upset. Not about anything important or in particular, but he'll get upset because he's been trying to tie his shoes for the last 15 minutes, just like his sister does. And he just can't figure it out. And now when we get frustrated, we're not always at our best, right? That's true for you. That's true for me. When we're frustrated, we're not always at our best. And when you're five and you're frustrated, well, (laughs) then that can result in some yelling and some screaming. And in Solomon's case, something we're really working on a lot, throwing things. And so he's gotten into trouble more than one occasion for throwing a shoe across the room and knocking something over, throwing a shoe across the room and accidentally hitting his sister. And so in these moments, I'm left with two choices. I can get angry and yell at him for the mistake that he's made, which has happened on occasion, I'll admit, or I can take a step back and recognize the complicated situation that my son is in at that moment and have compassion for him. Because as I said, it's hard being a kid. He's frustrated and he's upset because he's just trying to do what his sister has done. And yet he's not handling this complex emotion very well in the moment. And what I've learned is that if I stop and I yell at him for his behavior at that moment, well, then that's just going to escalate things and make it all worse, isn't it? He's going to throw his other shoe. But if I have compassion for him, if I take a moment and take a step back and meet him on a calm level, Oftentimes, that's the point when real teaching can take place. One of the ways that Solomon reminds me of this lesson is that when he gets really, really upset, sometimes he'll just get so upset and he'll just say, just give me a hug. And that can be the turning point moment. Because I'll have been ready to, to yell at him or discipline him and he'll just ask for a hug in the midst of his frustration. And if I can have the courage to meet him on his level 
to take a deep breath and to give him that hug, often that de-escalates the whole situation. And then we can make real progress on helping him learn how to handle his emotions and respond appropriately. So I'm telling you all this because, yes, as a father, I've learned that compassion is often the best gift you can give. And as we see in the scriptures, this is often Jesus' lesson to us as well. If you still have your Bibles open, if not, it's okay. But Matthew 9, 36 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I've learned a lot about compassion from being a dad, but the truth is, Jesus' ministry was a ministry of compassion. This is the lesson he's been trying to show us since the beginning. Notice how he is always meeting people on their level. Jesus was never the one to judge the person who was sick to say, this is all your fault for getting sick. Jesus was never the one to discipline the sinner in the moment either. People are brought to him by the chief priest and they say, this woman has sinned. And he says, who among you is going to cast the first stone? Again and again, Jesus showed compassion for the difficult situations that people were in. And that often made all the difference. He wasn't affirming their behavior necessarily, but he was meeting them on their level so that real teaching could begin. The term compassion actually means to suffer with. To suffer with. And certainly, that is at the heart of everything Jesus did, everything Jesus stood for. Even to the point when he died and suffered on the cross for our sake. The ultimate act of compassion. And so this is a reminder to all of us that as Christians, compassion is a key feature of our calling. We are not to be judgmental. We are not to put other people down in order to make ourselves feel better. We're called sometimes to do the difficult work of taking a step back, taking a deep breath, and meeting another person on their level so that real healing and teaching can begin. Okay, okay. So a lesson from fatherhood there. Compassion is often the best gift. Lesson number two that I've learned from being a father. A father's job is to love and care for all of his kids. Now, I've got three children, as you know, and I remember when my wife was pregnant with, her sec- with our second child, that I was wondering how in the world I was going to possibly love another child as well. I had so much love and care for our daughter, Evelyn, that I was wondering, like, how do you make room for this? How do you possibly love two children? And, and as a lot of parents and grandparents know, it just happens, right? It's, it's the mystery, but it just happens. You make room for it and you love all of your children. Now, that being said, when you have multiple children, there also becomes the increased possibility that one of those children is going to do something to tick you off. Mm-hmm. More t- law of averages, right? You got three kids, one of them is going to be misbehaving. And certainly in our household, that's what we've found. Yes, there seems to be some sort of little bug that kind of jumps from one child to the next. And so for a two-week period, one of them will be an absolute pill, and then they'll get past whatever they've been working through. But then, of course, it will go to the next child, which means that, thankfully, we never have three children who are misbehaving all at once, but it means that we always have at least one child who's misbehaving and going through something. Now, what I've learned over the course of dealing with this situation is that so often when a child is going through a phase, right? We've heard that phrase. Oh, they're just going through a phase. 
When one of them is going through a phase, it can be real easy to be short or impatient with that child. It can be real easy to just spend all your time with the other two kids because they're the ones that are actually listening and behaving. But what I've learned is that if I do that, it always makes things worse. Kids are smart. Kids are very smart, and they can pick up on the ways that you're acting. And so if I spend all my time focusing on the good children, when one of them's going through something, that's only going to make their behavior worse. It compounds the situation. And so as I've been saying, what I've learned from being a father is that my job is to love all of my kids. All of the time. Through good and through bad, through difficult and hard situations. Love all of your children all of the time. And now this is what I've learned. And if it's true for me as a father, then what we need to learn here this morning is how much more true is it of God and all of God's children. Look with me if you still got your Bibles open. Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about to all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. You see, we hear in this passage about the ways that Jesus went to all cities and all villages and healed every disease and every sickness, clearly showing us the ways that God's love is for all people in all circumstances. I hope you personally hear that as good news today. Whatever you are going through, whatever you are suffering with, whatever you might have done that you think God can't redeem, that is simply not true. God loves all of God's children all of the time, even if you messed up. And part of God's love means that God's going to try and set you on right pathways again. But don't ever think that you are beyond redemption. But then there's also the flip side of this teaching as well, isn't there? If that's the case, then we need to have open minds and open hearts as well for what God might be doing in someone else. And this can often be the most difficult task because we like to have our safe little circles that we live in. And it can often be hard to recognize that God's love extends, yes, even to that person that we can't stand. But that is simply how we know God is a good parent. God loves all of God's children all of the time. Lesson number three. As a father, you can't do it all, but you can do your best. Now, I want to pull up. I saw this uh, post on Instagram the other day. I'm going to read it for you. Listen to this. How to parent in 2019. And, And sure, this is 2019, but I'm guessing that we could have made a similar post for all years that were out there. How to be a parent in 2019. Make sure your child's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, underestimate, improperly medicate, helicopter or neglect them in a screen-free, processed foods-free, plastic-free, body-positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative, nurturing but fostering of independence, gentle but not overly permissive, pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably in a cul-de-sac sack with the backyard. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? 2019, 1985, 1965, it's always kind of felt like that, that you've got so many messages coming to you about all the things you need to do for your kids, all the things you need to do to make sure it's right. And that's one thing that I have certainly learned is that there's just 
so much to pay attention to. We want to make sure that we're raising our children to be strong-willed individuals. But that's a problem because sometimes they use their strong will against their parents. And that's not the case either. They need to respect authority too. How does it all work? How does it all fit together? It's tough. It's tough. But what I've learned is that you've just got to do your best. And you've got to give yourself a little grace sometimes too, don't you? And this is true for raising kids, but this is true for our life as a Christian as well. It's hard work being a Christian, especially in the world today. And you know what? You're not going to get it just right. You're going to make lots of mistakes. You're going to forget to do stuff. You're going to forget to pray or acknowledge God at those important moments. And you just need to remember that God's grace is always bigger than whatever mistakes you might have made. I try and tell myself that with my kids a lot. Like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm not totally screwing them up for the rest of their lives. Give myself a little grace. I'm just loving them as best I can in that moment. And I think that's the best that we can ask for. And it's the same as being a Christian. You just need to ask yourself, what's the next best thing I can do right now? You don't have to solve all the world's problems. We as Christians have a thousand things that we could give our attention to. We could, we could work for hunger, to end hunger in the world, or poverty, or, or, or loneliness. We could fight against racism and bigotry. We could speak to the millions of people who are trusting in money or power rather than trusting in God. We could speak to the billions of people who are just searching for a way to fill that God-shaped hole in their life. This is the world we live in, and there is no doubt that there is an unending element of need. And yet our job is to just do The next best thing, we're not going to fix all of the problems that I just listed or the thousands more that I didn't have time to write down. We've just got to make a difference to one person. Just do the next right thing today. That's part of our calling as Christians. Listen to exactly how Jesus puts it. This is verse 37. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Yes, the harvest is plentiful. There is so much work that could be done, and the laborers are few. And so we just need to make the most with what we've got. Jesus didn't say the harvest is plentiful, so we better just pack it up and call it quits. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. So pray for more laborers as well. And see, that's all part of this message. There's so much work to do. And so part of our work is to pray for more people to join us. Part of our work is to tell someone else about Jesus and the way that Jesus has changed your life. Help them discover this Christian calling, this Christian way of life that you find so meaningful, so powerful, so helpful to living in 2019. Continue to spread the gospel so that there will be more and more workers for the fields. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are still few. (coughs) I want to close with one final thought, kind of a tie-up reflection on this whole thing. And, And as I said, these have been my reflections as a father, but I'm guessing you as a caregiver in any sort of capacity can resonate with this. Whether you're a parent or a grandparent, whether you just watch children at school, whether you're just a good friend who takes care of someone else. These lessons have so much to teach us about what it means to be a Christian. But, but one of the things that I'm most compelled by as I just think about what it means to be a father these days, I, I notice that the 
only thing I really care about at the end of the day is that my kids know that I love them. And I try and tell them that every night before they go to sleep. And when things get really tough and Solomon gets upset and then finally asks for a hug and I have the courage to meet him on his level and give him that hug, after all the emotions have worn down, I always plan around him, hey, I know you made a mistake, buddy, but I still love you. More than anything, that's what I want my kids to remember about me as their father. And again, if that's true of me, how much more true of it, God? God is our parent. And God loves us so much and wants nothing more than for us to recognize and hold that truth in our hearts. The truth is, if we truly understand how much God loves us, that alone will have transformative power in our lives. When you really understand how much God loves you, suddenly you're not trying to fill that hole in your heart with any sort of addictive practices. You're not trying to put yourself above other people. You're not trying to make yourself look better. All that you know is that you are loved as you are and you're suddenly free to be yourself. That's what I want for my kids. And that's what God wants for God's children. Know, church, that you are loved beyond measure. Know that you don't have to seek validation anywhere else in your life. Know that you can finally have the courage to just be you. You can strip away everything else and simply hear the Father's message spoken to you again and again in various and different ways. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved by God the Father and nothing can change that. Amen. Amen.